All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss hey there it's michelle norris i'm host of a podcast called your mama's kitchen when i travel i'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when i'm not at home and one of the things i love to do when i am at home is entertain and airbnb allows me to do that when i was in california recently i rented a house that had a great kitchen and when we were sitting around the table we're all thinking we're in someone else's house someone could be in all of our homes as well If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Can you see it? Did you notice? Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores!
Hello Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, all one word, Hockey Season at ZephyrEpic.com to pick up the latest in Upper Deck Series 2 cards. Look for that Niels Hoglander Young Gun coming soon. Chris, how are you doing? I'm good, man. I remember a couple weeks ago, somebody said that you were really bad at the intros and you had no energy. Uh, there, you had a lot of energy, Quads. I'd love to hear it. You must be fired up for tonight's episode. Yeah, that was actually bulletin board material. You sent me that message, to, so to that person, <laughs> I know exactly who you are. It's bulletin board material. I actually have it on my ceiling. When I wake up, it's the first thing I see, and I just try and wake up with a ton of energy. Just fired up, because you know what? That person said... What, I don't even know what they said. I was joking. I haven't seen the message. I, I don't care what they said. But, uh, yeah, that I don't know. That's just how I am. Maybe they just listened on a bad week. I'm always like this. I don't know I don't know what the claim is there because I'm always like this. Yeah, it's good. You're fired up. We had a, a big day today, man. We're recording this late Friday night uh, to put out for you guys on the weekend as we normally do. And big day. Man, Jim Benning gave us about, uh, you know, combining what he did on Sports at 650 with what he did with the media folks. I mean... That was like a good over hour long of talking to Jim Benning. And honestly, it's about time because we haven't heard from him since training camp. And I I think it's kind of unfair to not hear from him at all when we've been hearing Travis Green every single day, sometimes twice a day. I mean, obviously, there's a few off days here and there, but most days we hear Travis and game days we hear him twice. So, uh, man, it's about damn time for Jim Benning to come out and speak to us. And there's a lot we're going to dive into here about that. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot to unpack here, but yeah, just kind of on the topic of that, you know, Jim was requested quite a bit by various members of the media, kind of felt like everybody had made a request for Jim at some point during the season. You know, the general manager should be talking about this team. It shouldn't just be on Travis because, you know, a lot of it is out of his control. What's going on on the ice? It's, you know, a lot of it is out of his control. So, you know, we only have Travis and the players. We don't really have the man who assembled the team. And I want to get your thoughts on this, Chris, before we dive into what Jim Benning actually said today. I think kind of, actually, I guess we'll start because this is something he brought up. One thing he said was that Francesco Aquilini is his first point of contact and that he is his, every day he's talking to him, showing him the plan and they're going over the plan and making sure that Francesco's on board and updating them. And that just made me think, like, what does he do after the Tyler Toffoli series? Like, what was that meeting like with Francesco? He's talking to this guy every day, okay? Like, he's talking to him every day to update him and talk to him about the plan and what's going on. What What's the message between those two when Tyler Toffoli comes up on a John Wick revenge tour and just absolutely tears it up at Rogers Arena? Like, what? honest question, Chris. What do you think the message is there? Like, Francesco can't be happy with that, can he? Yeah, I man, I, I find it, I find that quote specifically, that was obviously one that's going to pop off and we should definitely talk about it because it was an important one. But yeah, like if you're speaking to your owner on a daily basis, not, you know, not even like a weekly thing, like a weekly check-in to say, oh, this is what happened with the team. Obviously, Francesco Aquilini seems to be invested in what's going on with this team, right? Like mm-hmm. he's invested with his thoughts of the team but it feels like the things that have been holding this team back might be something to do with money I mean we heard of why the Jake for Tannen trade might not have gone through last week and you know certain situations with the coach not being hired or signed into the future I wonder if that's due to money so I found that really interesting to hear that yeah he was checking in with him daily but to your question what what could he be telling him about the plan and why is the plan different you know from March 5th to February 25th 
Like, how big of a difference is there in the plan? Because if that's something that's actually going on, where the plan's changing every single day or every second day that Jim Benning talks to Aquilini, like, that's the biggest problem, is the plan. And that's something that we heard, you know, Jim Benning talk about a little bit more, was that this team is set to be contending in two years, right? That was the thing that he brought up a lot, was two years away from competing. But this guy talked about a quick turnaround at the start of his tenure as the general manager. Now, seven years later, we're talking about, oh, in two years we're going to get there? Like, two years sounds like a quick turnaround for a team, not nine. And I just think that, you know, it it was bad because, like, Jim Benning's not going to come out. We know he's not going to go out to the media and be like, listen, I screwed up. There was a lot of things we did in the offseason that we shouldn't have done. There was things that we thought were going to work out but obviously didn't work out. Like, he's, he's just not going to say that. And he leaned on a couple of things like the schedule – he talked a little bit about uh, playing the Canadian division, and he wasn't expecting this to be their opponents and stuff. But, like, every other team is in the same boat there, you know? Like, these other teams are still having success. I mean, what the Leafs did in the offseason to bolster their bottom six scoring and give support to their guys in the top six on the power play unit with those cheap players, I don't think he knew that he was getting into a situation where the whole world was going to be flipped upside down and the schedule is going to be like it is, like you had to have some hindsight looking towards it and looking at these moves. So it felt like a lot of excuses today, and I didn't really buy all of them, to be honest. Yeah. Okay, so a couple things here. The first thing I want to say is I don't think when Jim said he was talking to Francesco every day about the plan, I don't think it was that the plan is changing. I don't think that's what he's insinuating. I don't think that's how the situation is working. That's my personal belief, and well, then, just let from me, what no, well, Jim then, was what saying. Do you- yeah, but what do you think he's doing? Like, oh, we're at this point in the plan now? Like, and then two days later, we're like, oh, we're, do you think Jim Benning has, like, a 900-point a plan that he's been, like, telling Francesco every couple of days? Like, oh, yes, we got to this step of the plan. Now we're on this step of the plan. It's like, I, I just don't understand why he's breaking down this plan for this team to compete when, you know, you don't need to do that on a day-to-day basis. You actually need to do something proactive and look into the future. And that was something else that we heard out of him was just, like, you know, we're going to wait for teams to call about players that we want to trade. We're going to wait till the trade deadline to start talking with Pedersen and Hughes. Like, it just felt like he was waiting for things to come to him instead of being proactive. And I think that's why I look at the quote of him saying, you know, I speak with Francesco on a daily basis. And I just think, like, that's a bad thing to be happening just because of the way that I look at it. But I know that you're, I, I get what you're saying. Like, the plan isn't changing every two days, but like this needs to be a long-term plan and look into the future. And I just got every quote today from Jim Benning just didn't feel like he was the guy to do that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I am honestly, Chris, like I would be surprised if there's much long-term planning going on right now. I, I there, there's, there has to be some, right. But again, like when you hear quotes, like, yeah, we're going to talk to Tanner Pearson, but we're not going to start talking to Quinn and Elias Pettersson until after the trade deadline. Cause we've got lots of time. And even on the trade deadline stuff, it's like, we have lots of time. We're not going to worry about that. That's five weeks away. It's like, man, there's like quarantines. You've got a lot to, like I see when really have to quarantine if he's going down to the states but if you're getting a player back like there's so much that goes into this and it's just it feels like chris that we're gonna get to a point where they run out of time with tanner pearson like they run out of time trading him and they're just like well we thought we might be able to compete and might be able to yeah. make the playoffs because that's kind of what it feels like they're you know they're taking it a day at a time that's what they said today and they you know they still think they can make the playoffs they just got to go on a 20 20 win or whatever it is run um and it's it's weird because it's like, is that really what we're going to get at the end of the year? Like when we talk to Jim again, I honestly, I don't think we're going to talk to him until after the season. Like 
when we ask him, okay, why wasn't Tanner Pearson moved? Is it going to be another, well, we kind of ran out of time. We, we thought we were going to compete and we, we just couldn't let him go. Uh, because of that like is that what we're gonna get at because Chris it was funny you brought that up about the, the the presentation or whatever the 900 step plan or whatever it is it really reminded me and the Canucks this is a good metaphor for the Canucks right now in the office there's a scene where Dunder Mifflin is getting tanked and like they're they're going down south quick and they have to meet all the shareholders in New York and they ask Michael to go on the trip so he goes and he thinks everybody he's going to be a celebrity there and he goes and sees all these people are upset at the company so as they're leaving the <laughs> stage getting booed he yeah. just picks up a mic and goes all right all right everybody shut up I've got a 30 day plan we have a 30 day plan to turn this company around and then he sold all these people on this false hope and then he found out that he couldn't follow through on it that's how it feels like the Canucks are right now yeah I mean like, yeah <laughs> I agree with you and yeah the way you do explain that in a good way I didn't know what scene you were talking about at first but after you got to a little bit there I did remember what you're saying and and yeah that's that's the thing that's kind of damning to me is like so this is the quote I, I found it here shout out to Brennan Bachelor. I don't know how he tweeted out all these quotes so much but he's got about 50 quotes from Jim Benning here but his is this is the quote from Jim Benning according to Brennan Bachelor. I would suspect teams that think they have a good chance to win will look to add a player or two that can help them get over the hump. But we'll just have to wait and see what it's like closer to the deadline. But this, like I just said, like you need to be proactive because there's going to be a lot of teams in a selling mode, right? Like there's going to be a lot of teams that have a lot of players in similar situations to Tanner Pearson. You want to be the one who sets the market, you know? I, I, I always think that like you go to trade deadlines and some of the best trades for teams that end up making good big moves to add players to their team, I think a lot of those moves get done early on, like way before. And in this year where you're considering quarantine times, travel times, and just what it's like in a COVID world, I think you need to be even more in advance of a trade deadline of what you're doing right now. So to think that it's five weeks away from the deadline and we'll see what happens, I hate that, man. Like that feels exactly like what you said of just like, well, we ran out of time. Like it feels like that's happening right again to this team. And it's it's hard to say that like, oh, maybe it'll be different because – We've seen a lot of the similar things from Jim Benning over his tenure as a general manager where he hasn't been able to just go out of the way and do some outside-of-the-box thinking. And it feels like that's what it's going to come down to at the deadline again where you're just going to see Tanner Pearson be offered you know, a, a crappy deal that he's probably going to turn down at the end of the season, maybe a two-year deal at you know, $2 million per. Maybe that's what they offer him. And then he just turns it down, goes somewhere else, ends up signing you know, a one-year deal with the Toronto Maple Leafs at $1.5 million and then comes back and probably scores 15 goals against the Canucks next season if they're stuck in a division like this again. It just That's the way it feels like it's going to happen with this team because they're not going to be proactive in certain situations. And this situation coming up right now where you're clearly a seller like clearly this team is at the bottom of the seller they need to be a seller because they're not making the damn playoffs that thought needs to be completely out of management's minds they need to look towards this thing that Jim Benning is talking about about this team being competitive in two years that's when you actually should be looking forward to that's what the plan right now for this team should be if you think this team's going to be competitive in two years then you need to go out and trade Tanner Pearson for anything Brandon Sutter for anything heck Tyler Mott for anything Thing. he could have some value at the trade deadline like there's a lot of these players that are on one or two years left in their deals if you're going to be competitive in two years get yourself draft picks to back it up so if you are competitive in two years then you're adding all these extra draft picks and bol- bolstering your prospect system 
And then you're going to stay good for a long time. Like, it's a chance to reopen up another window because clearly this one's close. Clearly this team is not going to be the one that's going to compete for a Stanley Cup. But if you can get better in two years and your prospects are better, fill up your pipeline so that you're not in a situation like Gillis was where there wasn't anything coming through the pipeline to bolster your team. But if you're going to be competitive in two years, add every single piece of of you know value that you can moving forward and i think that starts with trading these guys before the deadline well before the deadline yeah absolutely and okay here's it's interesting because we're gonna have a lot of time to talk about this over the next little bit and i'm sure we'll get to it but to me and i'm sure we'll break this down more in a future show you know the way to get this team ready to compete right and if we're being honest, and Jim said today, I, I see us being real competitive in two years, and a lot of people took issue with that quote. But man, he's right, and it's just—he's absolutely right. It's, <laughs> he is, yeah. He's absolutely right, and the thing is, you need to now set yourself up to be real competitive in two years. You can't just say, "Well, Pedersen and Hughes are going to progress, and we're going to get better. Money's coming off the books; it's going to be fine." Like right now. You should be loading up on whatever you can. Second round picks, late round picks. Maybe you find another Adam Gaudet. Like, you've got to load up on stuff to make yourself better in that two-year span. Like, that's what needs to happen. They need to capitalize on that window, Chris. Because like you said, this one right now, there, there was a window. With Hughes and Patterson on ELCs, there was a window. It has been slammed shut, and Jim Benning's fingers were underneath it, okay? That's where we're at right now. So he's absolutely right. The team is going to be real competitive in two years, but it's not going to do it on its own. Like, he has to do it. You can't just passively sit there and say it's going to be good in two years we're going to be fine like that's where I take issue with that quote and I think the thing that I had the most issue with today from what he said and okay before I go on Chris I just want to add to this too yeah go ahead go ahead go ahead I just so if if that was the plan okay when do you think that plan came to fruition that this team was going to be good in two years like when do you think that was decided in Jim Benning's brain like I'm asking you straight up like when do you think being competitive do you think that was what PR told him to say like last night before he went out here and did this because that surely wasn't the plan when you go out and trade a second round pick in Tyler Madden for Tyler Toffoli just to let him walk for cheap dollars to Montreal it surely wasn't the plan to be competitive you know in four years when he made the deal for JT Miller trading around a first round pick and a third round pick and don't get me wrong the Miller trade obviously has worked out to a degree I I think that it's been a bad start for JT Miller but I think he can be a guy who can contribute to a top six in the future for sure but like honestly quads when do you think that this two years we're going to be good plan started because it obviously wasn't happening just one year ago when they were making the trade for Tyler Toffoli well I'll tell you this Chris if the Canucks were in a playoff spot right now or remotely as good as Jim Benning and everybody else thought they were going to be this year you wouldn't be hearing that. There is no way you'd come out and say, yeah, we're, like, we're, we're good right now. We're in a playoff spot. I put us in this spot, but I think we're going to be real competitive in two years. Not a chance. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just, it, it it's crazy to me because it's like we're sitting here again and the window's closed. And the reason that window has closed is because they have a horrible bottom six and they don't have any secondary scoring. Like, it's night and day between the top six support and what they're getting from the bottom six. You just, you can't build a team that way. And it's just, man, it sucks because you lose your MVP goaltender and there's all these moves in the off season. And it's just, 
the the thing I wanted to say, Chris, is that I saw a lot of people on Twitter today being like, "What the hell did you expect Benning to say?" Like, you know, I, I honestly, Chris, I I don't think that press conference could have gone much worse. Like, I definitely think it kind of could have gone a little bit better, not much better. But it definitely couldn't have gone worse. Like, that was a tire yeah. fire. And people are just like, oh, you were always going to be upset with him. Blah, whatever. Whatever they're saying right now. And it's just, what did you want him to say? And then, literally the same day, Buffalo GM Kevin Adams comes out, takes ownership for Buffalo's crap start, and says it's unacceptable. Like, that was the buzzword that the that Kevin Adams, the GM of the Buffalo Sabres, was throwing out today. was unacceptable. The buzzword Jim was throwing out was like pandemic and time and all. It was just schedule, it, it, yeah. like schedule, all these things. And it's just, man, I don't know. Like there, there's a very select few now. Like I, I don't see as much of it anymore. And it's, you know, it makes sense. But there's a very select few that just seem like they'll they'll just lay their necks down for this guy. And it just it, it boggles my mind because it's just like, man, like. I, I I just don't get it. It's like, are you a fan of the team or like, are you a fan of the GM? Because I I just I I don't get it, Chris. Because it's it's pretty uh, clear yeah. that this is not what's best for the team right now. No, I here's another really damning quote, and like this is another one from Ben Brendan Bachelor. I don't know if somebody else tweeted it out, but like this should have got a lot more reaction than 20 likes and nine retweets because this is a quote from Jim Benning that is just so bad to hear. Like. I know that Jim's not the best at presenting his thoughts to the media, and that might be a reason why he's not out here to do this. I think that's a problem with the organization, too. Like, you know, Jim maybe shouldn't be the guy who's coming out. You know, Trevor Linden was great at coming out and actually talking to people. You know, he was a great example of why a president can help a general manager. Like, it is about making decisions, but in that certain situation with a guy who's not not great and is going to say some quotes that are going to, you know, live for a long time through Vancouver Canucks on Twitter and the fan base and everything, like, this is the quote from Jim Benning. We live day to day. We're in today's world. We played Toronto last night. We play them again tomorrow night. That's what we're focused on right now. But you just told us that the team is going to be good in two years, but you're not focusing on that as your goal. Like, that should be the point where you want to be focused on, right? Like, why would that not be the point that you're focused on? Why are you focused on right now in a year where you're trying to actually sell But you should, well, that's what you should be. You should be trying to sell so that you can be a better team in two years when you believe the team can be competitive. But what he says is we're living day to day and we're, we play them tomorrow night. That's what we're focused on right now. The trade deadline is five weeks away. We're going to wait and see where we're at. That is, that's the worst, that's the worst comment that I saw, I think. And I know that was something you wanted to bring up. Like what was the best and worst quotes from him? I think that's the worst one for me. It's just, you can't play a waiting game. You know, specifically the way that this team's at, like you can't wait to be eliminated from the playoffs because you're you're damn near pretty close right now. You know, a couple more games and you're and you're really out of this race. You know, I think it's something like I think it's something like eight more losses or nine more losses and this team's knocked out of the playoff spot. I believe it's nine losses, and then there's no chance of them at all making the playoffs. It's gonna chip away and probably be less than that when other teams start to win, but just to see that they're they're in the here and now instead of the looking into the future even though the the final goal of your plan is two years away like I just hate to see those comments so bad because it just like my faith in actually wanting to see Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes and Bo Horvat and Brock Besser and Thatcher Demko and this this young group of guys that look like a group that can compete for a Stanley Cup like I look at it like 
those are the guys like you're making a puzzle right you're putting a puzzle together what do you always do at the start you get those outside pieces right you put all the ones on the edges because they're flat they're easy to spot you make the outside first and then you fill in the middle like that young core is the outside of the puzzle it's built like it's already built it's there but it just feels like jim benning's like putting in the puzzle pieces upside down right now into what he's trying to make in a playoff team like it's just not coming together the way that fans want it to happen and i just don't want to see this young core be wasted into a team that's just trying to fight for a playoff spot two years from now when they should be a competing team for the stanley cup okay I have three quotes for my worst quote of the day. And let's, you know what, Chris? <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> we've dragged him quite a bit. Let's let's have a positive quote. My my I think the best quote from Jim today and again, like, you know, it, it's easy to drag him when he just, you know, he came in with a horrible hand. He was going to this was going to happen. And yeah, like it, he stood in there and you have to applaud him for that. That is not easy to do. But I think the best thing that he said today was just kind of his confidence in Travis and saying, my feeling yeah. on Travis is we really like him. He's done a good job with our group. He's our coach. I don't comment on player negotiations. I'm not going to comment on coaching negotiations, but it's something we would like to get done. That to me, Chris, sounds like if this were just a hockey decision and had nothing to do with the man up top, I think Travis would be signed right now. So, you know, obviously Jim's not going to come out and say that, but... I almost look at that as like a cry for help. And I see that with Jim and say, okay, that was, that to me was his best quote of the day. Yeah. I think backing up Travis was, you know, the right thing. And that's another quote from Jim that I was going to bring up as a positive one too, is Travis is doing a good job with our group. Our coaches are doing good work for us. They're understanding the problems that we have. That's one thing with playing the same teams over and over the weaknesses that you have get exposed but you should be able to expose them from other teams as well. So that's kind of that last sentence doesn't really add up for me, but I do like to hear I do like to hear the vote of confidence to Travis Green, right? Like I I, I do think Travis is a good coach. I think he is the coach for this young group. I've been impressed with the way that he's dealt with guys like Elias Pettersson when he's coming young, Quinn Hughes when he's coming young, now Niels Huglander when he's coming like He's put these guys in spots to succeed, right? That's been a great thing that we've seen so far. You know, he didn't do it with Nikolai Goldobin, but I'll let that go one day. Um, but I just, I think that it, it, that was one of the better quotes. So I do agree with you. That was one of the ones that I did like coming out of there. But, man, like, you know, it's right back to the negatives again, looking through everything that was said. And, and it just, I don't know. I can't get over the fact that, day-to-day is the way that they're living even though the goal is two years away like I can't let that go because that just stings my eardrums when I hear that because it doesn't add up you know it doesn't make sense to be living day-to-day when you want to be a playoff contending team in two years it just it doesn't make sense to me I've got one more positive quote and it's gonna make you pull out your hair it's a goaltending quote uh this was actually I was sitting there with my hand up in the call and this was gonna be my question to Jim was just you know, like, are you concerned about Mikey DiPietro's development? Because he's not getting any games in. And I've been talking to Kevin Woodley a lot, obviously off air, uh, about this and just kind of, you know, the guy hasn't played in over a year. Arthur Silov's in Manitoba right now. Jake Kiley's in Utica. And your top goaltending prospect is just getting on ice work with Ian Clark. And it was really nice to hear that Jim understands that. Like, he. I, I can't honestly sorry to whoever the reporter was but I can't remember who asked it honestly it's probably Woodley no it was J-Pat it was J-Pat and yeah. uh Jim completely agreed like Jim was like yeah you're right we need to get him in games and it was like okay yeah okay this is this is good you you're absolutely right you do need to get him in games that's that is a fact you need to get him in games so now it's going to be how are you going to do that because if you knew you had to do that 
there were a lot of goalies on waivers. There's these old journeymen that you could have brought in as a third string goaltender. Now, again, that is not something I really put on Jim, Chris, because if he would, if he had the money to do it or he was given the funds to do it by the men up top, I think he would have done it. Like, that's something Ian Clark probably wants, is getting DiPietro in games. And for Jim to agree like he did today, again, that's another good quote to me because it kind of takes the pressure off Jim and puts it more on the Aquilinis, more. And, like, I, I'm trying to say it in, like, he's not making excuses, but it's a legitimate excuse. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. for it's... Th- it's tough because again he's again he's not going to come out and say that so he almost has to kind of hint at it which I think he did with those two answers which is why I picked them as the best quotes but I think it's I think it's a good time for me to go back to uh, what I thought the worst quote was and the one I took the most issue with Chris and it was when he was talking about the Canadian division okay and he talked about how the Canucks best young players their best players are 21 23 years old. And then he said teams in this division are physically mature. They've got stronger, older players. But I think it's going to be great for our young guys to play in this division. Okay, let's just look at the Canadian teams, okay? You've got Austin Matthews in Toronto, okay? Mitch Marner. These guys are not old. These are young players just completely driving this team. And yes, you've got John Tavares. But guess what? That's called depth. Look at their bottom six where they're actually getting support from. Jimmy Vesey's on like a $900,000 contract. Joe Thornton, like again, these are the guys that are playing in the bottom six. You compare that to what the Canucks are getting and the production that Toronto's getting compared to what Vancouver's getting. And it's just like, man, that is not a legitimate excuse because it almost sounds like when you're saying this and you're saying that, oh, well, the only reason we're not competing with this team is because our young players just aren't there yet. Like, are you kidding me? I, Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes, if you put them on Toronto, if you swap out Elias Pettersson and Austin Matthews, and you swap out Quinn Hughes and Morgan Riley, I would say that for sure Hughes is doing better than Riley, and Pettersson is doing probably a little bit worse than Matthews, but still, you get my point, right? Like, this is not on the young players. They're not losing games because the young players aren't performing. Like, Elias Pettersson had seven points in his last five games before he got injured, and it's just... That was one quote where I was just like, okay, they've got stronger, older players, but you have bad older players because of the decisions you made in the past. You know what I mean? And it was just, I thought that was a cheap, that that was a cheap answer to say that, oh, well, the reason we're not doing that well is because the other teams in the division have better, uh, better older players. And it's like, you just look around like Johnny Gaudreau's not that old and just at every team, like it's a league that is run by youth, Chris, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, like the list goes on. Like, I think I'm just thinking of each team's roster and like maybe Winnipeg, but again, Pierre-Luc Dubois, huge part of that team. You know what I mean? And it's just Jack Roslovich, like, yeah, it's just, there's, there's so much that I'm just looking at and it's just, it's tough. It's, it's a, it's really tough, man. Yeah. He, he does have a point to a degree. Like these guys are one to two, three years older than what you're seeing from Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson. And they are going to learn from from these guys and what they're playing up against. Like I think the Canucks can learn a lot from watching the Toronto Maple Leafs play for what is it, nine games this year they're gonna play them or eight games this year? I'm already way off with my with my math here. But the amount of games that you're gonna go out and play them, it does make a lot of sense to like 
learn the way that you see how these older, how these young players like Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner operate and how they are the driving forces of this team. I do think that, that Pedersen and Hughes can learn that a little bit because there have been nights this year where, you know, Quinn Hughes has had some of the games where he hasn't been the driving force on defense or Elias Pedersen hasn't been the driving force on offense. So maybe that does come with two or more, two more years of being NHL regulars and being NHL stars and learning what it takes to be a superstar because these guys definitely have the potential to do it like they aren't superstars right now but they're damn close to breaking through and if they get to that point where nightly the other team needs to key on that player and watch that player on the ice every single time that's going to benefit the Canucks but that comes from a support system that can set you up to be a superstar and you're bang on like look at what the Canucks bottom six is doing compared to to really any other bottom six in this division Right, yeah. like any other bottom six in this division is putting up more points than the Vancouver Canucks. I thought that was a great stat track by Harmon last week. I included it in one of my articles. Um, just seeing that the Canucks bottom six, like as a whole, averages one point per game. Like as a whole, dude, as a whole, your bottom six, six players averaging one point a game. How like it doesn't? It literally does not get much worse than that. Unless you're Buffalo. And maybe that's why Buffalo's GM came out and said what he said today. And actually was held accountable for things being unacceptable. Because they're the only team worse than the Vancouver Canucks right now for putting up points in the bottom six. So yeah, it's unacceptable. And that flies down not because they're just the worst team in the league. That should fly to the Vancouver Canucks as well. Because what they've put out in their bottom six for what feels like the last five years is absolutely unacceptable. No, you're absolutely right. I need to correct myself, though, Chris. I said Jack Roslovich in Winnipeg. Uh, that is not the case. He was traded. I, I, I was That's thinking right. of the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade and trying to figure out which pieces moved which way. Totally got mixed <laughs> up there. But, yeah, I think now is a good time to cut to break, Chris. We'll come back on the other side. You've got a prospect report. I have a few things to add to that prospect report because I talked to Archer Silovs this morning. And, uh, yeah, we've, we've got a lot of good stuff. So keep it locked and loaded on the Canucks Conversation. All right, guys, before we go any further into the episode, are you a fan of simulation and hockey management games? Then be sure to check out Puck Drop, an up-and-coming game for your iPhone and iPad that puts you in the role of general manager of your favorite hockey franchise. In this mode, you guys can sign players, trade players, scout prospects, and select your team to try and build the next cup champion. A lot of fun for people that know about those simulation leagues back in the day. I don't know if anybody else was in these back in 2010, but uh, similar deal here, but now on an app. So just search for Puck Drop in the app store or visit puckdrop.app and start playing for free today so check it out or you can follow them on twitter as well at puck drop manager zephyr epic is canada's source for trading card games and sports cards they ship free anywhere in canada on orders over 50 dollars, and you can use promo code hockey season with a capital h and a capital s all one word hockey season to get five dollars off your order exclusively for canucks conversation podcast listeners be sure to join them live on twitch for epic case break openings follow them on twitter and instagram and facebook at zephyr epic z-e-p-h-y-r epic on all platforms do you ever have a long work day where you just forget to hit the liquor store on the way home and then you got no beer for your game well problem solved folks same day delivery now from the folks at parallel 49 beer that's right the p49 crew is here and available on uber eats All that brew directly to you with Uber Eats and Parallel 49's online store. Shop.Parallel49Brewing.com or check out more information on their Twitter and Instagram pages at Parallel49Beer. 
The pandemic and a slow economy are making it tough on a lot of people to find steady, good-paying work. But one industry is bucking that trend. Construction companies are hiring and need more workers than ever before. Upload your resume to icba.ca and get noticed. With more than 3,000 employees on our ICBA team, our employment network can connect you to businesses crewing up for the 2021 construction season. Trade jobs that pay well, offer excellent benefits, invest in safety training, and give a firm career foundation. Check out icba.ca slash jobs. All right, short and sweet one here for our friends at Mike's Hard Lemonade. The Blue Freeze. If you haven't tried it, folks, you need to get out and try the Mike's Hard Blue Freeze. By far, my favorite alcoholic beverage on the market right now. If you're going to just enjoy a few drinks at a game or it's a Saturday night and you got a Zoom party with some of your friends, take yourself down to the BC Liquor Store which or your local liquor store, wherever you get drinks. Pick up some Mike's Hard Blue Freeze, the best, tastiest drink on the market right now. And a massive thank you to all of our sponsors on the Canucks Conversation Podcast. Chris, you surprisingly, actually, as soon as we went to break, you said, hey, let's talk about goaltenders on the other side. So you know I'm game. I'll let you actually take the reins on this one, Chris. What is it exactly you want to talk about when it comes to goaltenders? Well, I do want to expand on it a little bit, and you were on a rant, so I didn't want to stop you. But the Mikey DiPietro thing, I just wanted to see if you want to expand like, what move do you think is the right situation for Di Pietro moving into the second half of the season now? Because you mentioned it. I mean, the dude hasn't played in a game in a long time. Like, not to mention, like, I know Jack Rathbone actually got a chance to play in the scrimmages, but we didn't see Di Pietro in scrimmages. We haven't seen him actually even face, like, NHL shots or face a practice worth of shots. Like, he's literally just getting time with the taxi squad. And I don't mean to like say that it, the taxi squad is just absolutely nothing and it's not going to progress him as a prospect at all because I do think getting that much time with Ian Clark is great. But, you know, we've seen how the taxi squad practices, right? Like we've been around and seen what that group looks like. It's it's pretty hard to put together a real high-intensity practice when you have a couple defensemen and a couple forwards shooting on one goaltender. So I just wonder, like... I was pretty excited earlier in the year for this because I did think that there'd be a chance for him to, to get to Manitoba, maybe play with the Moose, or even get thrown down to Utica to get some time there. But I think things have changed in Utica, and I'm just not sure where Di Pietro can go to play games right now, to be honest. Okay, so here's my take, Chris. And given what Jim was saying today about how they need to get him in games, and th- that was what he said. Like, they really want to get him in games. I'm thinking the best situation for all the prospects involved in this move you send Di Pietro to Manitoba. He's a great goaltender, and he lit up the AHL last year. Manitoba's going to use him. Here's something a lot of people don't know. Archer Silov's only played one game with Manitoba so far, and he was great in that game. 920 save percentage, uh, 23 saves on 25 shots, and I think they lost 3-2 to two or something like that because um, of empty net. Or how did it go? I can't remember exactly what happened. Or, yeah, sorry. They lost... 3-2-1, I think, was the final score. Um, but anyway, what happens with this now, this situation, I think you have to try and send Di Pietro to Manitoba, right? Because no quarantine. You, he's available if you really need him on an emergency basis. Like, he, okay, here's here's my nightmare scenario, Chris. Like, this is, to me, this is the worst case scenario you can run into if you do what I'm saying. So what I'm saying is you switch out 
DiPietro and Silovs basically. So Silovs gets to come work with Clark again because remember he didn't have training camp. He didn't get to work with Ian Clark. And you know I talked to him today. He he has a lot of stuff that he knows he has to work on that Ian has told him, and he's working on it every single day. He knows what he's got to do. But again, maybe just having some more time with Clark will benefit him. I actually know it will benefit him. So you swap out those two. DiPietro gets some time in the game, and now let's say uh, Braden Holby goes down with an injury, or Thatcher Demko goes down with an injury. They have Silovs there to back up. You don't want to put him in an NHL game. Remember, the kid is still only 20 years old, uh, even though he's married. He was married at 18. F- little known fact about Arthur Silovs, he got married at 18. But anyway... Um, he can he can back up if you need him to while you're getting Di Pietro to the big club, right? Like getting him back on so that he can be the backup. Because again, like if it's an injury for four weeks, five weeks, whatever, you're gonna need that backup to play, and that's just the nature of this season. I I've talked about it before. That's what they're gonna need. They're gonna that's that's why they haven't let Di Pietro go anywhere because they're worried if they lose if they lose one of their goaltenders they're gonna need the backup to play and Silovs just isn't ready and that's not a knock on him. Again, guy is young and he's still got a lot long ways to go. Di Pietro is way ahead of where he is developmentally. Again, like Silovs had a tough year in North America last year with the Barry Colts and he's just getting acclimated to North America now. I think we're starting to see early returns of it and again this is a guy the organization is very high on but you don't want to rush a prospect like that so I think that's the move you swap out their situations right now let him get some work with Clark let him get his feet wet a bit in NHL practices or with the taxi squad what have you and you have DiPietro getting games I think that's the best move for this organization right now yeah I just don't I don't think it's a good I just don't think that the AHL is the right option right now for DiPietro like I just don't I don't know where the games he can play are, but I don't think they're in the AHL. I just don't think that he's getting time uh, above the so Mikhail Burden is the guy who's getting a lot of the starts in Manitoba, right? He yeah. came in two years ago as a rookie. He played twenty three games in his first year, had really good numbers, nine twenty seven save percentage. So obviously they're high on him in that organization. Last year he was the full out starter. He was a starter in most games for the Manitoba Moose, and this year he's played in ten games. If you're loaning Di Pietro down there, I don't think Di Pietro is getting more than one in three starts. And the way that the AHL schedule looks, that's one game every two weeks for Di Pietro. That's not Guess a great what? spot to be in. That's one to three more starts than he's getting by sitting on his ass in Vancouver. So, sure, but does like but I get does what you're six saying. Games, is that is playing him for seven games on the rest of the season? Is that better than having him with Ian Clark full time? Absolutely. Absolutely, and I think Ian Clark himself would tell you that. At this point, getting game action is going to be so important for him. The guy needs to face shots. Like, Jim was saying that today. That's not coming just from Jim. He has absolutely talked to Ian Clark, and I'm sure he's been pressured a bit by Ian Clark to let DiPietro go get game somewhere. That's something the organization knows they need to do. So to answer your question, absolutely. Getting six games in, hell, getting four games in is more valuable than him just sitting with Ian Clark at this point. He's done it for a while now. Again, what I outlined there, I think that's the best situation for everybody involved including the organization in the developmental process of both of these goaltenders. I'm I'm more in the boat that getting two games at the NHL with time with Ian Clark is better. I think DiPietro getting two starts at the NHL isn't crazy at all. So what what are you doing? You're you're taking out Holby? You're going to put Holby on the practice squad? What or taxi squad? Sure. What are you saying here? Yeah, you can have three goalies on your roster. Send someone else down to the taxi squad and call up DiPietro, get him a start. 
Get him a start in one of these back-to-backs. Like, you throw Demko out for one, then you throw out DiPietro for the other one. Until there's an E next to their name, there's no way they're doing that. So, I mean, I'm saying right now, send him to Manitoba. Let him get some starts. And maybe, yeah, toward the end of the year when you're full tank mode or whatever you want to call it, yeah, sure. But right now, there's not a chance in hell they're doing that. Like, we're talking about Travis Green here, man. There's no way that's happening. I I think that there is. I think Travis Green's going to recognize that he needs to give his young guys a shot once this team is actually eliminated from the playoffs. Yes, I, but right now think, I'm saying right now it's not going to happen. Yeah, I just I don't think it's I don't think he gets enough games for it to be progressive for him to go to Manitoba. I if anything I think Utica is a better option, and I don't even think he gets like I think he would get a fifty fifty split with Gillies just because like we we've talked about this and Corey has kind of hinted at it that. Everything right now is all hunky-dory right now in in Utica, right? The St. Louis Blues have come in. They've obviously made a pretty strong roster. You see the way that they match up against other AHL teams. They look good. They have two organizations, AHL teams, they are playing together. But John Gillies is the goalie. I think that that has to be something that was in, I don't know, just in conversations with them joining, that they wanted John Gillies to get starts. Because Jake Kylie right now is not getting a lot of starts down in Utica. He's got a few of them on the season. I think three on the season right now out of eight. So, you know, DiPietro would be getting at least half the games there, or around half the games, splitting them with Gillies probably. And I think that's a better option because we, we talked about it. I mean, I sent you the quotes from Gillies. Like, there's there's a great setup going on. Or, sorry, the quote from Kylie. Um, it, there's a great situation going on right now with Ian Clark relaying things down to Curtis Sanford, who Curtis Sanford's a goaltender that obviously Ian Clark coached when he was in the NHL. It's it's a great relationship, according to Kylie, and I know you're going to have more on that in an article coming up soon, but I think that's the better option because you're not only going to get more games, but you're also going to get still that pipeline communication that you would like to have with hands-on training in a guy like Curtis Sanford down there coaching him. So, Holtby goes down with an injury. What are you doing? Who, who's your backup? Silovs? Yeah, it's Silovs. No, it's not. You can't just say that. You can't do that. That's not it's, how this works. Like it's Silos the, the or, Car- or Kylie. No, no, yeah. neither of those guys are That's ready not, for an this NHL is not, game. But it's not Di Pietro's fault that the Canucks didn't go out to get a third goaltend. Like he's clearly not. He shouldn't be in a position to be a third goaltender. This is the Canucks' yeah, but, fault for not having a third goaltender. Yeah, I know we're I know we're ragging on management this episode, but they're not going to shoot themselves in the foot by sending them down to Utica so that they have to end up with it. Like, what do you do? There's no way that the organization is going to send him down to Utica unless they go out and get another goaltender. Like, it's just not going to happen. So sure, maybe it's the best situation for Mikey. There's not a chance in hell it's happening. I don't even know why we're talking about it. Like, they're not, dude. They they would have to wait two weeks before this guy can suit up for them. Like, that's just not going to happen. It's out of the question. Question. It is out of the question. You could send DiPietro down right now and he would be starting on Wednesday, though. That's the thing. There's no quarantine to go down to. Well, there is. Like, it's like a, what, three day quarantine? Yeah, whatever. Like, he it could is, be yeah. playing games by Wednesday. On the next Comets game on Wednesday, you could have DiPietro starting for that team if he was sent down right now. And then you America, get him on baby. a run, you make him the starter in the AHL, and I do think that's the best del- developmental path for him right now i think that's the best spot because it's going to create a rift obviously because the st louis blues want gillies to play i mean he is a solid third goaltender right like you know if the canucks could get gillies up there on their track on their practice squad that would be great because he could be a guy in a very big pinch could start for you as a third goaltender like he's fine as an nhl guy i just don't think i don't like the idea 
of DiPietro getting starts in Manitoba because I know that he would get obviously he'd get more starts than what we're seeing Seelovs get there, but I just I don't like that one bit. I think that it's a better shot down for him in Utica. Yeah, but again, man, there's there's no option. Like, it, it's not even an option. They can't send him down because if they need to call him up, and yeah, America, baby, he could start on Wednesday. That's great, but what if the Canucks need him on Friday or Saturday or, you know, any time over the next two weeks? And it's just... It's not It's not in the question. Just with the nature of this season and obviously the quarantining and all of that, it's just not in the question right now. So Manitoba is the only option for him. Playing with the Moose is the only option for Mikey DiPietro to get games in, at least in my eyes. If he's not going to play in the NHL, which he's definitely not until they're actually eliminated and they really want to get a look at the young guys, that's the only option is putting him in Manitoba. And I actually don't think it's as bad of an option as you're making it out to be like again you're bringing Silovs to the big club and he's getting time with Ian Clark valuable time that he really hasn't had a ton of up to this point in his career like this guy showed up at training camp two years ago and had to borrow Kevin Woodley's pads because his pads were so beat up like his Latvia pads or whatever they were they were so beat up and he just had to borrow Woodley's which was Probably my favorite story from training camp two years ago. But this year, again, guy doesn't get a training camp, doesn't get to work with Ian Clark, and he still has such glowing things to say about him. Like, it's going to be great if he's allowed to get some time in with Ian Clark. And again, the thing you need for DiPietro is game action, Chris. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter how many times he's starting. If he starts once, he's already starting more than he is right now, and he needs to get that game action. He needs to feel a puck on his body in a game. That's what if, needs to happen yeah, right now. That's that's exactly what I'm saying to you, Quads. That if that's the goal, Utica is the better option. And if you want to look at it from a president that the Canucks have sent right now in the past, you wouldn't be surprised to see Archer Silos be the guy that gets the emergency call to play. Like, you saw it with Mikey DiPietro over the past two years. He got called up from junior to come play in a game where he got absolutely shell-shocked, right? Like, that was a tough start. He got a start last year as well. So why would they not go that direction and have Archer Silos, like you mentioned, as a positive, have him on the practice squad, on the taxi squad, you know? And if he need to get a... If an injury happens, you immediately call up DiPietro, and then you just play Silos for one game over two weeks, right? Because, like, there's not going to be a time where... You know, Demko can play six of seven in two weeks. Like, easily, Demko can play six of seven. If it's Holtby, Matt, like, yeah, that, then you're in a little bit of trouble. Like, if, if Demko's the one that goes down and you're stuck with Holtby six out of seven, like, I know the season's already over, but it's way over at that point. So, I, I just think that the what they've done in the past wouldn't be the worst idea. And to get more pucks on him in-game action, the best option would be Utica. It's a much better option than Manitoba in that, that way of looking at things. You're playing with fire there, man. It's too risky. Like, again, if what if both the goaltenders go down? But, you know what I mean? What, it what matters? What matters if you have to have your third string guy be Archer Silos? Like, does it, does, are the Canucks making the playoffs? Are they going to have a late playoff push no, where they need a goaltender? No, it matters for his development. The kid's gonna, if the kid gets shell-shocked like four games in a row. Kill, no, it didn't kill DiPietro. DiPietro and Silovs are different goaltenders, man. DiPietro has played in the World Juniors in a gold medal game. He's done all of... He has all these accolades. I, oh, man. I, I don't even know why we started talking about goaltenders because I didn't think this was going to end up in a debate, but I can't even imagine... I don't even understand why we're talking about this. Like, to, to sit there and suggest that DiPietro going to Utica and bringing Arthur Silovs, the guy who's 20 and is married has to be the third-string goaltender for your hockey club, and you actually have to put him in an NHL game? The guy put up an 891 save percentage in Barry last year as the back 
backup. He was playing with the Colts, and he wasn't even good enough to be the starter. The guy's got a ton of upside. I'm a huge fan of him. But, man, he is nowhere near being NHL ready, and you cannot thrust him into that situation. That's how how goalie prospects get ruined. How ready do you have to be to be a third-string goaltender who needs to potentially play in a pinch? Like, I'm looking at more of the value that you're getting from getting games to Deep Pietro. Like, that's a bigger value to the organization as a whole moving forward than potentially ruining CeeLo's if, what you say, both goaltenders go down and CeeLo's has to start four in a row or whatever you just said. Even if you start one. If you start one game, that is not good for his confidence. What if he plays in one game and he plays okay? What if he gives up four goals and the Canucks win 5-4? Dude... That's not gonna happen. He's just not good enough. He's he's like, dude, you've got to watch him play. He is not ready yet. He's a great goaltender, but he's got so so long to go to get. Okay, to, to put it into perspective for you, Chris, like Mikey DiPietro was solid in junior. He was putting up insane numbers in the same league that Seelov's put an eight ninety save percentage as a backup in last year. This is last year, Chris. And then after that, DiPietro had some AHL games, and then he got called up and played in this shell shock thing. They're not the same situation at all. He like, came out of junior two years ago to play in a game. Oh, that's right. But still, it's not the same situation. It's just not. They're different goaltenders, and DiPietro has... Again, like, the guy is just so... He has so much more raw talent than Silovs. And he, he's he been trained by great goaltending coaches. Like, Silovs has never had a great goaltending coach in Latvia. No offense to the Latvian goalie coach that's listening to this. But again, he's he's never had a coach like Ian Clark. He's never had coaches like the ones he's with in Manitoba right now. And he just can't get that time in right now. And it's just, he, he needs to keep working on his fundamentals. His fundamentals are nowhere near being ready for an NHL game. You're going to see him give up some of the stupidest goals you've ever seen, Chris. Like, he'll be out of position because he doesn't know where he's supposed to be yet. And he doesn't know how fast an NHL shot's going to come. He has had one game at the AHL level where he played pretty well but he's still too deep in his crease sometimes he's still too wide in his stance there's just too many things that I see with this goaltender that it's like if you get into a situation where you have to call him up and you have to play him you're just shooting yourself in the foot as a organization to obviously lose that game but also for his development it's just not good for the goaltender and I just man the only option to me is to either go get another goaltender, do whatever you got to do, get DiPietro and Utica. I agree with you. That's the best scenario for him, but that's not what's on the table for the organization. I just, I think it's too big of an if to to say that that you should get less games for DiPietro. I think it's too big of an if. If like getting him down to Utica is the best option, that's where he should be. Like there shouldn't be an if about it. If that's your best case for developing the goaltender who's probably going to back up Thatcher Demko potentially next season, if not next season, the year after that for sure, that's the guy I'm worried about. That's the guy I'm worried about for development. I don't, I'm not saying that I don't think that Seelows is going to be anything, but I'm not worried yeah. about his development even close to the level that I am about Mikey DiPietro, and that's why I think he's more important to have him be the focus of how you're developing your goaltenders. If you have to play Seelows for a game... You know what? He's been he's played as a pro in Latvia. I know it's not anything tied, but he's played as a pro. He's played in World Juniors, like you mentioned. He's been the World Junior guy uh, for the U18 team. It's not the worst case scenario. I'm worried about the guy who's actually going to be a guy that's contributing to this team in two years. Man, okay, sure. 
Sure, I, I get what you're saying, but I'm just saying, like, I think you're discounting how much DiPietro is going to play in Manitoba and how much those games are going to benefit him. Even if it's seven or whatever the hell you said is the low bar of that, like, that is still better than zero. And again, like, being the guy in Utica might not even be the best thing for him right now. Like, being able to be back and forth with the Canucks and the Moose, wherever he needs to be freely, is better than him having to quarantine for two weeks if he needs to come back up. Like, you have to remember, this guy's got to sit in a hotel room again, and that's another thing we haven't even really talked about. Like, I'm sure he doesn't want to do that, and then you're going to ask him to step in if somebody goes down? It's just... I don't know, Chris. I I think we should wrap it up. We've somehow spent 20 minutes arguing about this. Uh, probably not great radio, but I just think I think the only option really is Manitoba. Even though you're absolutely right that Utica probably is the best place for Di Pietro right now. It's just the nature of things. It's just not going to happen, and it can't happen. Yeah, I just that's the way I look at it. The best development is in Utica, so that's the way I would look at it for Di Pietro. And I guess we can we can move on to the betting segment now, right? We got to. We can skip the prospect report this week. If you, if you want a prospect report, go to Canucks Army. I wrote about all the guys that I talked to. Uh, just I'll mention the guys I talked to real quick, and then we'll move on. Talked to Cole Lynn for a while. Hell yeah. uh, that was pretty cool. We talked about why he's taking face-offs left-handed. Uh, there's some good quotes in there from him. Talked to Dmitry Zlodiev. I don't know if I reported it last week on the show. I think I was waiting for the article, but he did break a bone near his eye. Uh, he's not able to get in the gym right mm. now. It's an unfortunate situation for him. His season's over, but man. Huge year for Zlodiev next year with World Juniors and a chance to make his his debut in the KHL very likely next year. So that's an interesting one. Talk to Will Lockwood. Who else I talked to? Jonah Gadjevich, uh, Aiden McDonough, obviously, and then some updates on Vasily Podkols. And so that's all in a Canucks Army article right now. Why don't you take us into the betting segment? Yeah, our friends at oddshark.com are happy to bring you the latest on odds, futures, picks, consensus, and everything you need to know, all the betting trends. Chris and I are big fans of sports betting. Everybody knows that, even though I'm not very good at it. I don't think I've man. I I I put money on that. You know how we've been doing that Quinn Hughes uh, two shots on goal or whoever it is. Even if, if it's Miller, money. we usually do the two shots and put like ten bucks on yep. it. Okay, I lost fifteen dollars on that with Hughes in the last game. Cause so here's how it works: the bet, the prop bet is Quinn Hughes will get at least two shots on goal. If he gets two. You take the over on it. If he gets two, you get your money back. And then if you if he gets over two, you win your bet. So I was like, okay, I, I did it a few times. And I put like 20 bucks on it. Again, I won. He, he got three. And then there was another night where he only got two. So I just got my money back. No harm, no foul. Then I put 15 last night. Not a great look. Not a great, great bet for me. I, he, he finished the night with one shot. So that was definitely tough. But uh <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else you're looking at in the betting trends, but yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff going on right now. Um, again, Washington, Boston, it's th- there's so many different series going on, and it's tough because like we don't really get to watch a lot of it in Canada just because of uh, our TV rights and all that sort of stuff. But man, if you wanna if you wanna make some actual informed bets, like it doesn't cost you anything. Just go to oddshark.com, you go to the betting trends, and it tells you a lot of good stuff and helps you make those informed bets on American NHL games. Yeah, the trends are the trends are lit on Odd Shark. So uh, yeah, definitely yeah. check it out there. I've just been. I'll give a quick back, quick backstory. I guess into my betting week. Not much going on. I bet a lot of money that the Leafs would win on Thursday, and it didn't happen. So 
that I'll leave Ooh. it at that. Uh, before we go, you guys, uh, the listeners, this is my final thing to add to this. Listeners might have heard it uh, during the ad section. If, if you do skip past the ad section, we hate to hear that, but, you know, we understand. Um, our new uh, new joining us now for our Saturday show, Puck Drop Manager. Uh, super excited to have them join the team. I was always a huge fan of Sim Leagues growing up. Like, I feel like Sim Leagues were huge back in, like, 2010. Uh, so just when you were coming out of the womb and like, it was a huge thing. That a lot of people did the, the forums were a lot of fun. Like it was just a great thing to do. And, and this is kind of like the 2021 version of it where you're going to take over a team. You're going to manage a team. Um, I love, I love the example they have on their website. Steve Iser plan uh, is the name of the general manager in this team. So you basically, you take over a squad, you can trade with other players. You have forums to talk about it, but it's all on your app. So make sure to check out the great folks, puck drop hockey manager, and you can find them on, twitter at puck drop manager so shout out to them for jumping on our saturday shows for the month of march yeah it's it, it's it's a cool app because it's kind of like a game called wrestling empire and i know you've heard justin and i talk about it justin morissette shout out to him uh we've talked about wrestling empire and it's basically a wrestling game where all of the people all of the wrestlers like are clearly real wrestlers but they don't have the rights for them so they all have different names and like different things about them right. <laughs> and this is a similar one you get to edit all of the players and you can try and figure out who's who and it's it's a lot of fun you 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 manage a team and it's really in depth i was i was kind of surprised by it so yeah everybody should definitely go check that out yeah well Chris, Quads, while you're giving get- while you're giving free ads to other apps the one that's actually sponsoring us they actually have the naming rights to all the players so you know you can have elias Pettersson on your team and, like, the actual players by name. So, be sure to check out Puck Drop. What? I thought he said he didn't have the rights. That's awesome. Yeah. That's even better. Wow. He doesn't have the team the rights. Like, reading? you can't be... I think the Detroit Red Wings are, like, the Detroit Octopuses, which should be Octopi, I, I guess. It. So, Detroit Octopus. Oh, that's where I got confused. Yeah. Yes, so, like, yes, he, yes. I think the team names are, are a little off, but uh, the players are all in there somehow. So, I'm not sure how, how we swung that, but we're stoked to have him on the team here. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely go check it out. Chris, this was a fun episode. I think that that's probably the most heated you and I have gotten at each other, and I wonder if it'll carry over into D&D as we uh, go get set to play that. So we'll see, but Chris, this was a fun episode. Well, that's the thing. It's only it's only goaltenders, man. Every time we have an argument about goaltenders, you know, you don't like to be wrong, even though you are, about talking about goaltenders, and you've done it Facts. now in two debates, talking about the MVP last year and now this situation. So, yeah. The fact you think I'm wrong about this is probably the funniest part, but we'll leave it there. We'll leave it there, Chris. Thanks again to our friends at Zever Epic, the presenting sponsor of this podcast, and to all of our other sponsors on the show. For Chris Faber, who is wrong about goaltenders once again, my name is David Quadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to the Canucks Conversation. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 